We're digging through the ditches and burning through the witches on the return of the Metal Shop Podcast with Rob Zombie. Welcome to another episode of the Metal Shop Podcast with me, Big Frog. Me, Mike Castleberry. And we are back. I think this is probably our longest hiatus. Uh, and I'm not even going to bother saying when I think the next one will be. Because <laughs> I, I, think, I don't think people believe us anymore when we say we're going to uh, come back sooner next time or whatever. But <laughs> No shit. I think we said we we're going to try to get this one out before the new year. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but this is um, kind of a new starting point for us. I, I kind of feel like one way or the other, COVID's over. You know, it's like um, mostly because people just didn't want to cooperate and said, fuck it, you know, uh, we're just going to go on with our lives. So there it is. So we're going on too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's basically like, uh, yeah, it's... Everything's pretty much open back up. Yeah. I had to go back to the office last week, uh, finally. Um, so, yeah. I mean, we're kind of at a point of kind of normalcy, I guess. You know, every, I feel like we're at the point where everybody that is going to get vaxxed is vaxxed. Everybody mm-hmm. who's going to get boosted is boosted. Um there's always going to be that chunk of people that aren't going to do that shit. Mm-hmm. But I don't know at this point, like I'm pretty comfortable. And like, I I've managed to go over two years now. I haven't gotten COVID anything like that. Um, and it's not like I've just been in my apartment the whole time. Like I've been to concerts, I've been to Padres games, you know, yeah. So I went to Disneyland uh, for my five-year anniversary. You know, like if any, if that was the time I was going to get COVID, it was then because right. it's just motherfucking kids touching everything. And, oh yeah. 
um, that shit made Roxy uh, start getting claustrophobic because I wanted to see like one of the one of the old kitty rides got kind of redone. I'm like, let's check it out real quick, and then it turned out to be a longer wait than we thought. Mm. So it's just like little fucking kids around you, and you have your mask on. But yeah. it's in like a cramped space, so I was like, "Dude, fuck this!" And it's like, kids just touch things, man. Like, this... they got all the mucus. Yeah, I'm like over here, like, why is this child like touching my <laughs> ass? Type of thing. Like, I, you know, that was the thing. It's like this is me like going down to TJ and shit back in the day. I'm like, is somebody having like kids fucking pickpocket? Because yeah. I kept feeling like a hand bumping up against my ass and it's just a little kid i'm like no that's like you know when you go to tj and one kid sells you tries to sell you chicle and the other kid picks your pocket like mm-hmm. that's what i went to but yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know if you're lucky it's just that there's been those times where i've had friends being like no nah, man they'll have like two kids just like fight <laughs> to yeah. distract a crowd yeah and have another kid pick pockets yeah it can get crazy so we're back and we're uh it's it's like a continuation but it's like I'm, i almost forgot what we we're continuing but um bottom line this is the rob zombie episode we left off with the white zombie episode and after this we're gonna our next episode we're gonna do is gonna be the covid wrap-up relaunch show and we're gonna cover everything that you know, went on during COVID and where we go from here. But today we're going to finish the, uh, the Rob Zombie episode, which basically it all kind of went down like this. 95 last Sexorcisto came out. That's the last uh, white zombie album. 96. He legally changed his name to Rob Zombie. And then 98, announced that the band was no more and by that time he had already been working on the album Hellbilly Hillbilly Deluxe Hell Hellbilly Deluxe which um he put together the band where he had everybody uh just build by one name so it was Riggs on guitar, Blasco on bass and Tempesta on drums. And with Rob Zombie. And a bunch of people played on this record. Including Tommy Lee and and a couple of other dudes that that you might know. But this was the basic band that did uh, Hellbilly Deluxe. Yeah. I mean, it really was... I mean, I wouldn't even call it a band for the most part. It was just more like assembled musicians. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Tempesta, that's, you know... As John Tapesta, that was his drummer in White Zombie uh, towards the end there. Um, yeah, I don't really know Riggs. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, it was definitely just, it was kind of like, you know, how like Ozzy makes albums now, like by committee. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of that. Yeah. He really was like, it wasn't until a few albums down the line that he kind of had his band that he wanted like basically he would like Ozzy he would have his touring band mm-hmm. but then he'd just have whoever the fuck he wants in the studio you know right and, right uh, and it's funny because you know I list I really liked uh, Hellbilly Deluxe when it came out um, 
I think I learned today looking into it that Tommy Lee uh, actually played on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm not a big drum head. But drummers aren't the kind, for the most part, um, unless it's like a very, very specific drummer. I can't usually listen to someone's drumming and be like, oh, shit, that's Tommy Lee on this track. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like a guitarist when they have like a specific tone or something just like they have a style that's you can recognize you know like right when eddie played on beat it even though he wasn't credited mm-hmm. everybody was yeah, like oh shit knew. that's eddie van halen yeah on that solo and i know we talked about that before with the van halen one that's just still one of my favorites uh stories from david lee roth was him hearing beat it the first time and calling Eddie and being like, yo, someone's fucking ripping you off. Mm-hmm. They're like biting your style. Like I just heard someone that sounded exactly like you on a Michael Jackson track. And that's when Eddie <laughs> was like, actually, yeah. <laughs> and that's when they got into it because he's like, well, you need to fucking tell us if you're going to do some shit like that, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. So, Hellbilly Deluxe. Now, this this album for me. Okay, so I did mention a million years ago when we last recorded that I personally preferred White Zombie over Rob Zombie. Right. And that's because, and it's interesting because I, I believe you kind of came to the opposite conclusion where mm-hmm. you liked that Rob Zombie kind of had a more, un, like, a more uniform style to it, whereas White Zombie had a lot of things going on. It was kind of like a grab bag of different influences where for me, I liked that part of white zombie. I like, it was interesting. Mm -hmm. Nobody else sounded like white zombie. Whereas Rob zombie solo shit. Yeah. I mean, he's got the distinctive voice, but it was during that kind of like industrial metal time. So there's a lot of people that may have, that kind of had similar vibes. I mean, his brother, was in what fucking Power Man Five Thousand? Mm-hmm. Uh, similar sound. Right. I mean, part of that is that's his fucking brother, right? Which I always thought that was funny because like they that was a thing that like you'd read about it. And you're like, oh shit, that's Rob Zombie's brother, but it wasn't hyped up that much. Like it was like what is like this is Spider, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was like they tried to downplay that. But I didn't like Power Man 5000, so. Right. In in the news, um, Rob Zombie is coming in August, I believe, and Power Man 5000 is opening, along with a couple other bands. So, if, you, if you're uh, into that, they're, they're coming to uh, Chula Vista Amphitheater, which, as I've said a bunch of times, is a cool venue. They don't mind if you tailgate, party beforehand, parking's free for the for the far lots. So it's, it's pretty cool uh, to, uh, to go there. Yeah. I would um, almost be tempted to check that out just cause I mean, I've seen Rob zombie once and we're going to get into that a little bit anyway, but um, mm-hmm. just to see that, but like, yeah, all the openers are kind of like butt metal that I have no interest in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but anyway, hellbilly deluxe that came out my, uh, the summer before my senior year. So this is like, one of the albums of my senior year of high school. Okay. Um, so this is like, 
everybody that I knew listened to this because a lot, I, I hung out with all the metalheads. We all liked White Zombie. So this was the next step. Like, okay, mm-hmm. well, if you liked Black Sabbath, you probably checked out Ozzy Solo and mm-hmm. went from there. Right. That was like kind of how we felt at the time. It's like, oh, yeah, White Zombie was sick, but that's done now. Rob Zombie's doing his own thing, so we got to check this out. So that was just like the album everybody was listening to, um, at least on like the, the metalhead circuit in Spring Valley, uh, you know. And it's, you know, I always, uh, I think a couple song, at least a song or two off that was on like the soundtrack to like Bride of Chucky and shit like that. So it's like there's a very specific time and place to this album for me. Um, right. It's like I remember hanging out with friends and bumping this when we were going to uh, the Haunted Hotel that year type of thing, you know? Like, we're like, oh, we gotta, we're all listening to Dragula and shit while we're going to the Haunted Hotel. We're just all pumped for, like, it was just that whole thing, vibe. It's like, we're listening to Rob Zombie's, like, Haunted House music before we go to the Haunted House, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, and so I have a really I can still listen to this one, and I have that connection where it's kind of like you know it's the one with the hits, you know right. it's if you think of Rob Zombie's solo, you know you know his solo output, you're thinking Dragula, you're thinking Living Dead Girl, you're thinking Super Beast, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is before he decides he's like Rob Zombie, the the director. Right. So it's before like his albums start becoming like commercials for his fucking sucky ass movies. Right. Uh, that we need to talk about because you can't talk about Rob Zombie and just talk about his music. I know. I know we keep eating a dick anytime we talk about things that aren't just specifically music, but <laughs> mm, yeah, <laughs> they're. They're inseparable at this point because pretty much they feed into each other. Like I said, like you start like I it's it's almost like the very next the very next album has House of a Thousand Corpses on it, you know, mm-hmm. right. and then the next one after that has uh, 
the Devil's Rejects and Lords of Salem as songs. So it's like they become commercials for his fucking movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but what was your what's your story with Hellbilly Deluxe? Since this was like the big solo turning point for for Rob. Uh, I don't think you're in in jail at this point. No. <laughs> uh, what's funny is, um, like you said. Everybody was listening to it. Um, it it is uh, it went top five, three million sold, right? Which is uh, obviously this was kind of the end of the selling albums period. After this, he only had one more platinum record. Mm-hmm. So this was um, his best selling solo record. Like you said, he got the hits on it and all that. And then also too for the first three or four records, he had this dude, Scott Humphrey, who was a producer. Now, the thing about it is like, when you think of a producer, like um, like a heavy metal producer, he's just a dude that goes in there and, and twists the knobs, you know, and, and gets everything, you know, balanced right and everything. But like in hip hop, for example, the producer, like Dr. Dre, if Dr. Dre brings you a track, he pretty much brings you the whole track and you're just going to rap on it, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, and the music is like, they call it the beat, but it's all part of the, part of the same thing. So in essence, Dr. Dre wrote the song or, or, you know, um, and that's what this dude, Scott Humphrey did was basically bring tracks that are everything that's going on between the riffs. You know, they have all that weird fucking industrial shit that goes on in between the riffs, and the riffs are pretty much like the metal part, and then the the industrial part, that's what this Scott Humphreys dude would bring. And he's and he's on like the first four albums. So he gets writing credits on all these and he's like on the first one I think he's the only one Besides uh, Rob, who gets writing credits, and then later on, he's he also shares credits too. So, um, so yeah, for this one, I like Super Beast. You know, I liked um, Spook Show.
then there was other ones that were like um like living dead girl to me was a, a little too industrial and um and there's all there's songs on all of these records that I don't like there's usually only like maybe three or four that I like which so when I say that I like Rob Zombie better than White Zombie, it's kind of not true. Like this, <laughs> I I like some White Zombie songs better. It's just that as a like a a live band, I would rather go see Rob Zombie than White Zombie. Um, and I was watching a concert today where uh, as White Zombie from '94. And they were very much just like a band, you know, and mm-hmm. they looked kind of weird because Rob had the big hair and and uh, his bass player chick had uh, she looked kind of like one of the chicks from Vixen or something with that big old blonde hair. But other than that, it looked just like a re- regular band. But if you look at a Rob Zombie show now, it's very much a show. It's more like Alice Coopery, he's a character. John Five's a character. The drummer's got a mask on. The bass player's name is Piggy something or another and he's got a pig mask going. <laughs> it's a really it's a really interesting show more than just a band, you know? So um I think in that sense is is where I like Rob Zombie better in the live aspect. Um, but as far as the albums go, I probably like more White Zombie songs than I like Rob Zombie songs. And there's a bunch of songs in between the hits on the Rob Zombie albums that I really don't have any use for. Yeah, that's that's kind of a fair assessment. Like, when I think back to when I listen to... Uh, when I listen to that album, um, a lot of times I'd get to, I don't know, maybe around track seven or eight, and I'm kind of done with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, the bangers are fucking bangers. That's the thing. Right. Is he's not a guy that's great at, like, oh, man, even the filler fucking rocks. Like, there's right. going to be some fucking filler on an album and you're like, uh, I don't need this. That's, you know, once again, not, I don't want to keep comparing him to Ozzy Osbourne. Mm-hmm. I just feel like they're kind of similar in some ways, um, with their, you know, just the way their albums are made and this and that Ozzy as time wore on, you got that, you got the fucking, here's a couple of singles and then here's some songs that are never going to get played live. They're never, you know, <laughs> I think I have this thing where I know you kind of got to fill out albums, but I think if you're going to fucking make a record, you need to every single song, even if you don't end up playing it live, every single song on there has to be something you could see yourself playing live. Yeah. That's what always bugs me is when you get those, those middling tracks from people that they just fucking, they shit it out because they needed an extra track. They're like, we're never going to play this live. Mm-hmm. You know, like Metallica did that with, uh, was it escape? Mm-hmm. You know, they just wrote this song that they didn't like 
because they had, you know, they were told they needed one more for the album. So they just threw together a, a crappy little song, called right. it a day, and only played it um, when they ended up doing something where, like, the fans voted and they had to play all of Ride the Lightning. Right. So even James was like, oh, the song that we thought we were, we hoped we were never going to play. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's come to this because that was only a few years ago, you know. So they had this album that was almost 40 years old at the time with a song on it they never intended to play live. They had to go relearn it. Wow. But, yeah, you kind of get that. Like, that's why um, down the line, when I did decide I wanted to... Um, get a little bit more Rob Zombie kind of what I did is I bought like his um his greatest hits collection that had mm-hmm. shit from White Zombie and solo stuff on it. Oh wow. Um circa late 2000s, I guess. Uh but it was um I need to look it was uh, Past, Present and Future. So that came out in 2003. Right. Uh, and that was a two disc thing that had, um, you know, it it had uh, five, uh, six tracks from White Zombie, and then um, the rest of it was all solo, right? And they were like hits from the records up until that point, which was only two, and then some like bonus tracks, like shit that didn't get put on there. But it was kind of like, oh, this is this works, you know, mm-hmm. I don't need to, I don't have to deal with the filler stuff when they're all, you know, um, kind of, you know, it's a good introduction if, uh, people are, uh, wanted to kind of check them out more. Yeah. By the time this next one, the sinister urge came out in 2001, um, he was already making that transition. Like he had already, finished um house of a thousand corpses Mm -hmm. and holy fuck dude i don't know like like this is uh what what years were you locked up we gotta i need to reestablish i was locked up 2000 2001 2002 2003 okay so you missed the whole house of a thousand corpses build up yeah (laughs) because while you were while you're locked up uh This was the hype for House of a Thousand Corpses was this is going to be the most intense, fucked up horror movie of all time. Right. That is all you heard. Like they're having such a hard time getting this movie out and getting it cut to an R rating um, because like, you know, when when it came out, you know, uh, the original studio wasn't going to uh, release it. Hmm. They're like, I don't see how we can get this down under NC-17. Mm. You know, they're like, we can't fucking put this out. So, right. like, Rob had to buy back the rights to his movie. There's all this shit. So it was like, this movie's gonna come out. It was like right. this big, like, it came out in um, 2003, I think, finally. But I remember there was like, you keep going like, oh, is this ever going to get finished? (laughs) When I saw him live, he played the song House of a Thousand Corpses as his closer. And it had clips from the movie playing during it. So there was this huge fucking buildup. 
and I don't want to skip over this album real quick, but I need to kind of skip to the movie finally coming out. And it finally fucking came out and it kind of fucking sucked. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that was, I don't know. I have this thing where I could really dig something and then like they just do like this one unforgivably whack-ass thing and I'm kind of done. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how I felt with Rob Zombie with House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah. Because I I got, you know, I rented it when I worked at Hollywood Video. And I'd heard it wasn't very good and I watched it and I'm like, eh, yeah. And it's probably one of his better ones. Yeah. For <laughs> you sure. Know? For sure and, it I, is. and I'm just like, this isn't, this didn't remotely live up to the hype it got, you know. Right. Then it became, oh, well, we got to see the NC-17 cut. Maybe mm. that's the cool version. And mm-hmm. nah, it's, it's just gorier. Right. And that's when you kind of realize that his whole vision for what he thinks is a really cool horror movie is fucking dumb. Yeah. It's just how fucking gory can it be? And let's make <laughs> let's make everybody gross hillbillies. Like mm-hmm. every movie is like if it takes place in like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre universe or some shit. Yeah. Like everybody's just a weird grody hillbilly, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable and it, what's funny is apparently the Monsters movie that he's going to do that's coming out is actually going to be like rated like PG-13 or something. Okay. So I'm like, "Oh, because I just when I heard that announced, my I immediately went to like, oh, is this going to be like weird hillbilly monsters that are like, ah, suck my dick fucking around the table the whole yeah. time? Yeah. <laughs> you know, fuck you, you know. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just fuck you, Eddie, you fucking cunt fuck. Like, <laughs> right. But it's no, I guess it's going to be kind of like a more family friendly movie, which I, I'll fucking see it just to see how he pulls that off. Right, but I wanted to. I just needed to get that off my chest before I vent one more time about his movies in the timeline. I think it would be funny if they let uh, Ozzy direct the Munsters. <laughs> it would be like, like, uh, like the Osbournes, but the Munsters. That would probably be better than whatever yeah, this turns it out to probably be. Probably would is the parallels, you know. So it's funny because, like you said, I didn't see any of the buildup for for uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. I just saw it at the blockbuster, you know, and I was like, okay, cool, you know. So that when you don't have those same expectations that oh, this is going to be the next Exorcist or something, you know, then. You you approach it differently, and I thought it was cool. I thought it was you know, um, fun or whatever, different. You know, so it was cool. The problem with uh, with for me uh, is Rob Zombie as a director is that they they just like hand them a franchise, you know, and and it, of course people are gonna fucking people hold that franchise dear. So you're like setting them up for fucking failure from the get, you know? Yeah. So unless he hits a grand slam, it's like, oh, this sucks or whatever. Uh, the Halloween flicks, you know, I mean, let me put it to you this way. Outside of the first Halloween, I never thought the Halloween flicks were that great in the first place. 
So I didn't really uh, have that much expectations for, for his versions. The only thing I could say for them was that they were just like flat, you know, um, uninspired. Well, yeah. It's well, once again, we kind of get the uh, everybody's a kind of a kind of a white trash fucking weirdo right yeah the care yeah 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 so it's like you kind of got that style which takes away yeah i i would agree in the fact that outside of the first one that's the only truly well okay originally that was the only great halloween movie Mm -hmm. halloween 2 was okay but it kind of you could tell they didn't that they didn't really want to make that Right. So, and then you, then they tried to reboot like the whole concept with season of the witch mm-hmm. where it's like, Oh, well we're going to turn this into a horror anthology. So every year right. we're going to do Halloween and it's going to be a completely different story, but nobody right. understood that. So they had to yeah. bring back Michael Myers. Right. It was, that one wasn't a real, wasn't a bad movie. It just wasn't Halloween. No, it wasn't what people wanted. They wanted yeah. Michael Myers. So they did, the four, five, and six were its own trilogy that um, were varying degrees of not awesome. Like four and five are okay. Mm-hmm. Six is pretty bad. Um, then they started doing that whole weird thing where, well, we're rebooting the series, sort of. Mm-hmm. So Halloween H2O, I think it was, was. Um, for the 20th anniversary of Halloween. So they're like, mm-hmm. okay, so this is going to be a sequel to Halloween two and pretend that none of the other movies happened. Right. And then they did a sequel to that that killed off Jamie Lee Curtis, mm-hmm. uh, Laurie Strode in it, you know? Um, and that was the bad one. Cause I think that's the one where like Busta Rhymes is in it. And yeah. Like that. <laughs> um, yeah. And that was bad. And then it was, but then they rebooted it again. We're like, okay, well here, we're just going to call this one Halloween and it's going to be a sequel to Halloween one. Now, now Halloween two doesn't exist on the timeline. Right, right. And then they made the next one off of that. And the, the first Halloween of this rebooted was actually really, really good. Yeah. Um, but anywho, that's kind of, we went on a tangent on Halloween there, Yeah. but there is that love so much for the first one. That people were like, well, Halloween, the the Halloween one that Rob Zombie did kind of, it, it got okay reviews. People Mm -hmm. liked it. Okay. It was Halloween too, where people were like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) You know? Yeah. And that kind of, this is where I know you got to put your own stamp on things, but (laughs) I think this is one of those things where it's like, this is why I think he likes things, but sometimes doesn't understand why other people like things mm-hmm. because that's the one where there's a scene with a maskless Michael Myers screaming die uh, when he kills uh, <laughs> the fucking what the psychiatrist. Uh, yeah. Um, Loomis, yeah. you know, and it's like that. What made Michael Myers scary was the fact that this fucker never took his mask off in yeah. direct light and he never said anything. Right. That so shit was fucked them both up. Yeah. It just was like, <laughs> here's and they just, and they made him some dude with like a fucking, he had gnarly long hair and a beard and he yeah. just looked like some guy at that yeah. point. 
and you know they'd they'd unmasked him briefly in the first movie but it's all like you know it's like you can't you don't see his face clearly right um unless you pause yeah and then he was like unmasked i think it was five when he's like going after his niece yeah and then he takes his mask off and you can see his face in the shadows a little bit and his niece is like oh you look like me that kind of thing there's a whole bullshit thing there but i don't know the whole point is he's just this silent fucking killer yeah and rob zombie went and fucked that up yeah um yeah i was gonna rant about that a little bit later but we got to it there you go (laughs) so sinister urge you were locked up for uh, right yeah (laughs) you know i remember this is the one that I had just moved back um, to San Diego a couple months before when it came out. So I bought it. I remember buying it at Target, just seeing it there, mm-hmm. you know, and I had been I just started dating a chick at the time. So it was on the tour for this that I went and saw him mm-hmm. um, with my my then girlfriend. And the this, this show wasn't good. Uh <laughs> That was the one where it made my uh, worst concerts when we talked about that a million years ago. But um, yeah, yeah, it was like, I don't know if Rob just wasn't feeling it or what, but it felt like he couldn't even be bothered to remember the lyrics of his songs. Mm -hmm. It was short and I just didn't feel that energy from the crowd either, except for the ones in the pit. Mm. But it wasn't a sellout Mm -hmm. is what I remember about it, (laughs) you know. Right. I remember there being not a full full arena and that was at the uh, it was I think it was still Cox Arena at the time at SDSU. Mm-hmm. You mm. know. And I don't know. I just remember So that's a small crowd in a in a relatively small place. Yeah. Considering, yeah. So it just didn't feel awesome to be there. I was right. really let down because I had always heard that his stage show was so kick ass. And this and that, and it wasn't that. Like, you didn't have, like, fucking pyro or go-go dancers or any of that. It was Rob Zombie fucking up his own songs for, like, an yeah. hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did notice that in watching these these concerts is that uh, he's not, um, I mean, uh, again, you could make an Aussie comparison, uh, but not quite as bad as David Lee Roth. But he doesn't. He doesn't care to 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 make sure he hits all the lyrics. You know, he's he's nonchalant about it. Yeah, he just doesn't have the the charisma of Ozzy to get away with it. Yeah, yeah. Like Ozzy, you're just it. happy he's there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. So, um, so this album went uh, top ten. It went platinum. The last one to go platinum, and then um, after this. Tempesta and Riggs are out. So that's obviously where John 5 comes in after that. But before that, he put out that compilation, uh, Past, Present, and Future. And before uh, Sinister Urge, he had put out a remix album, American Made Music to Strip To, which is hilarious because that's where I first became aware of White Zombie was at a strip club. Uh, so in essence, it rings true, but, um, so, but Rob Zombie has always believed in putting out a lot of product. He put out 
uh, this remix album, a compilation album already, and there would be another remix album coming soon. So he's always putting something out in between the times that he's doing movies or or he's doing um, proper albums. So um, so then after that came the House of a Thousand Corpses soundtrack, to which obviously he ha- he has some songs on there. So other people have some songs on there. And the song that really made me laugh out of all of those is Brick House 2003, which is his cover of Brick House by the Commodores, which to me is hilarious. <laughs> and I guess Lionel Richie's on it. I didn't even know Lionel Richie was actually on it, but he is. So that shit was funny. Yeah, I remember that because the uh, Brick House... Uh, um, was on uh, the uh, past, present, and future. Mm, okay. Um, also, yeah, the House of a Thousand Corpses soundtrack. That's where he's got the song uh, "Pussy Liquor." Yeah. On there. Um, what's funny is um, the song "House of a Thousand Corpses" wasn't on the past, present, and future one. Um, I think I don't know. I think there was some sort of weird thing about the rights with it that he couldn't actually put the song house of a thousand corpses on that that's funny but yeah i remember grabbing that at some point and i was like oh this is a cool um just nice little compilation uh, mm-hmm. but yeah sinister urge you were locked up for that i'd got you know i saw him during the uh, tour um that's where it had you know dead girl superstar and feel so numb Mm-hmm. on that so those were other you know there are some hits on this and i actually feel like this is a stronger album than hellbilly deluxe there's less filler on it um there's some cooler vibes to some of the stuff um a little bit different feel to some shit uh ozzy does some guest vocals on Ironhead, um and then uh Never Gonna Stop was uh, Edge's theme for a few years in WWE. Oh, yeah. So I remember hearing that all the fucking time. Use my body to keep you alive. Yeah, so there was kind of a gap there. That's when he started focusing on movies more. Yeah. And I think for a while people thought he was done with music. Mm. And that he was just going to be a director. But then in uh, 2006 is when he released Educated Horses, 
which uh, is basically the last one I bought when it was new. <laughs> right. And I actually like re-listening to this one. Um, it's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. It's the first album with John Five on there, um, and then we got our uh, our boy uh, Tommy Clefutos right is drumming on it. Um, yeah, who's a great drummer. So you kind of get kind of it's this album actually sounds like a band. Yes, to me. Yeah. Whereas the other ones didn't. So, but there weren't really a ton of hits on it. I guess. Right. Um, <laughs> You know, I though it's funny because I really like um, they weren't what you'd call hits, but I actually really like the Scorpion Sleeps and uh, uh, Death of It All mm-hmm. uh, on that one. Um, I like American Witch. It was a pretty solid album that sounded like a band. <laughs> yeah. So. So, yeah, I think the band sounds um, tighter. Sounds like you said, like more of a band. I liked um, Lords of Salem on that one. I like American Witch. And on the other ones, even though necessarily the, the, the whole song um, aren't all great, but there's good riffs on all of them. And it's got like all the components of, a, of kind of a more of a heavy metal record, which yeah. I like. I think yeah. that's where you're really seeing like that, uh, that John Five uh, influence there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he, um, he starts getting writing credits on that one. And then him and Rob would soon become like, you know, the writing duo. So, yeah. yeah. What's, what's funny to me about that too, is anytime it's weird when you think of John five, you think of his heavy metal shit. You think of, you know, when he was in Marilyn Manson. Mm-hmm. Now you think of him as Ozzy's guitarist when you're not thinking of, like, when he does his solo shows that are kind of, like, shred fests, you know? Yeah. But it seems like, like, John Five, whenever he gets to put his fingerprint on something, he brings in a lot of acoustic. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and he does that on this record. Yeah. It's like he did, the, you know... I wish David Lee Roth would pop out a couple more of those tracks he did with them because mm-hmm. he had that album was worth a shit. I guess he, he wrote with Roth and it sounds like they're all acoustic. Yeah. Um, and that works for Dave, which I didn't expect. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But he's, I don't know. He's really good at throwing, get mixing the acoustic shit in there and not in a hokey way. You know, it's just really compliments everything. So, right. Right. Also, too, the the, um, one thing about John Five that separates him from the other shredders is that he doesn't necessarily feel the need to shred all the time. And in Rob Zombie's band, he really can't because most of the songs don't even have like a proper solo section or anything. But in the live show, he gives um, Rob gives John Five a, a several platforms uh, where he gets to get loose um, like two or three times a show, including his version of the uh, national anthem, which is, you know, pretty much better than most of the ones that you'll ever hear. So, um, so yeah, he, he, uh, 
it's cool that one of the best guitar players in the world can just find his lane in something like this where it's not about him, you know? So that's kind of cool. And, and it really adds to the live show the fact that he can do all the things that he does. And his spotlight solos are epic. So that's uh, definitely, for me, obviously a highlight of, of the Rob Zombie current show and, and current lineup. Yeah. No, it's, you know, he really he really raised that shit up. And that's why you kind of really get, like, more of a band feel when you have another dude that's kind of like, he has such a unique style that he can bring to it. And he gets in with the writing. Um you know, I've. It's funny because I didn't really know John Five much at the time, mm-hmm. so I just got this album. And I remember just kind of like, oh, this just sounds more like a band, you know, and telling people about it. And it's funny I didn't put two and two together that he was the dude that played on the uh, DLR band album and played on shit that I liked there. And it's funny because on that he's very much like channeling like classic Van Halen, right. And he's interesting because there aren't a ton of guitarists that I've seen that can, they can like channel a specific style really well, but then also have like their own unique style. Yeah. And yeah, he like you said, he doesn't get, you know, the songs don't allow like shredding because that's not really what they're about. But there are some songs on this that actually have some like legit solos as well which is what i think they kind of i think part of this was um i think just that kind of industrial metal um was starting to get kind of passe to people and the new metal thing and i think people were starting to want to see more like traditional solos and shit because we just went through this period where like guitar fucking was whack (laughs) like you had metallica putting out state anger with zero solos and yeah so um yeah i don't want to like ramble too much about rob zombie because i feel like we've kind of made our point despite the fact that he's got a few more albums that we Mm -hmm. can touch on briefly but i feel like the last one that i really noticed was when he put out hellbilly deluxe 2 Hey, we all know how we're going to die, baby. We're going to crash and burn. Yeah. 
in 2010. And, uh, you know, I checked it out because it was like, oh, well, anytime, anytime you make an album that's a sequel to an album, you're kind of like, oh, well, you're automatically inviting the comparisons. Right, of course. And you can definitely listen to it and feel like he was trying to get a little bit of, uh, you know, that old school, that, you know, Hellbilly Deluxe feel to it. Mm -hmm. Just in his vocal delivery and song structure. Um, So it's kind of like you can you you can hear it. But it's at the same time, it's like, well, I already got the original one and I need to, I didn't finish listening to this one because I forgot, I forgot I needed to listen to Werewolf Women of the SS, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but after this, this is really because, you know, when you, when you start looking at the background of every album yeah, and it just starts saying, though, this was, de- this was delayed. <laughs> You know, uh, like it says, like, you know, Rob Zombie had finished recording the album before the end of 2008, but the release had to be delayed until November 2009 Mm -hmm. due to his commitments with Halloween 2. And then again until February 2010 due to a lack of promotion. So, yeah, the album start being like kind of like this isn't his main focus anymore. Right. Right. And then. And I you think know, that that probably comes down to the fact that you still sell movie tickets and you no longer sell albums. So maybe that's the, where the priority is going to be at, because that's, you know, that's where the that's where the cash is at. Yeah. And uh, and then um, so, yeah, so so he comes out with uh, the Hillbilly 2. He produced that one himself. Um and that was the last one with the bassist Blasco, who's now in Ozzy's band. Or Ozzy's, uh, he's, out, he's on standby with Ozzy if there's ever going to be any more gigs. <laughs> and, um, and so then, just to, just to finish the list, in, in 2013, uh, Venomous Rat Regenerator something something else came out. So this is where I was going to mention we, we get the... Uh... The series of uh, random words as titles. Right. We have Venomous Rat Regeneration Vendor, The Electric Warlock Acid, Witch Satanic Orgy Celebration Dispenser. Right. And then uh, last year, uh, last March, was the Lunar Injection Kool-Aid Eclipse Conspiracy. Yeah. And it's like... I haven't listened to any of these. <laughs> yeah. This was around the period where I'm like, oh, he's still fucking putting out records? Right. Radio has changed our lives and possibly saved our lives.
Like, he was just putting out these records with weird-ass titles, and I don't know. I'm just, like, I, I don't give a shit anymore at this point. Yeah. And for all I know, they're pro- they might be sick, and I probably should have listened to them before we did this, but honestly, I think part of the reason why... We kind of fucked around for so long and didn't get back in this. I think we realized we didn't want to really talk that much about Rob Zombie. Yeah, I think that's probably (laughs) true, man. It it wasn't something that I was really excited to do. Um, But I did listen to these motherfuckers. I listened to um, to uh, the one that I liked. I think the best out of out of the the new ones was um, Electric Warlock. It's got. a couple of good songs on it. Uh, Gore Whore. That was good. Uh, we All Get High. I like that song. And then it's got some stupid shit on it. Like, um, this Everybody's Fucking a UFO. I think that's the name of the song. And oh, yeah. It Everybody's sucks. Fucking in a UFO. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a stupid-ass song. Um, there's other songs that, like, um, this uh, Medication Melancholy where it seems like if they would have just put another guitar on it instead of this weird keyboard, it probably would have been cool. But it's just got this weird keyboard line where a guitar riff should go, and it just kind of fucks it up. But actually, the next one, which was 2021 Lunar Injection, and now he's got another producer who he calls Zeus. So again, this is a guy who's bringing tracks. And this one actually went number one. So, it, you know, not that it means the same thing as it would have meant back in the day, but this is actually his only number one album. So, <laughs> there you go. It, almost, it's almost the same way as when Sharon said that that new Ordinary Man was um, Ozzy's highest charting album, which it was technically, but it's not the same thing, so... Yeah, but Lunar Injection went number one, and um, that was 2021, and that's the one that um, I, yeah, I couldn't get into it. It's very just, um, I kind of think it's run its course, the 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 whole thing, but um, like I said, they're coming, they're, they're still active, still touring. And actually, I looked up the set list for this uh, last tour, and they're down to two white zombie songs. They're down to uh, More Human Than Human and Thunder Kiss, and that's all they do from White Zombie Live. And then somehow, uh, inexplicably, but uh, you had to know that they also cover Helter Skelter. (laughs) So oh, they're good. another one of those bands that uh, does that token Beatles cover that we all love so much. And uh, so basically it is all the the Rob Zombie set is all Rob Zombie except for one Beatles tune and two um, White Zombie tunes. So if you're an old White Zombie fan, you might not, this tour might not be the one for you. Although you can always see the in the future him doing like a on oh, this tour we're gonna do the whole uh, you know uh, white zombie uh, experience and who knows that so that might be something that'll be coming in the future when other opportunities start winding down you know 
You know, because uh, he uh, he did do that um, a couple years ago. They released a, it's a live album, and it's um, Astro Creep 2000 Live. Okay. In 2018. So it's his his current band played all of Astro Creep 2000. There you go. So just for fun, I was looking up my uh, I was looking up the set list for uh, uh, when I saw him in San Diego and uh, I don't remember the set list being like this. Maybe I think this dude has it out of like fucking order because <laughs> <laughs> it has to have been when I saw him as Cox Arena, uh, March 15th, 2002. Mm. Um, so it had to have been that one. But it was Demon Speeding, Dead Girl Superstar, Living Dead Girl, Supercharger Heaven, Super Beast, More Human Than Human, Demonoid Phenomenon, Meet the Creeper, House of a Thousand Corpses, Feel So Numb, What Lurks on Channel X, Never Gonna Stop, Thunder Kiss 65, Dragula, Blood, Milk, and Sky. Uh, so there was uh, four white zombie songs on that. Mm-hmm. I remember it ending at House of a Thousand Corpses, but I don't, you know, I don't remember sitting around for a fucking encore. I remember Thunder Kiss playing earlier in the show, but, you know, this is a set list from 2002 that someone's trying to piece together. Right, right. So, unless he was in San Diego twice around that time, uh, it had to have been that because it lines up with the timeline of when I was dating this chick. Like, we, mm. we, we broke up maybe... A couple months after that, <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. So I don't know. Anyway, think for yourself and question. There's another weird thing that I was looking, I was, uh, because I was trying to figure out, you know, looking at different set lists, and there was one where in 2002, supposedly, there was a tour that was um, uh, Black Label Society and White Zombie, and I was like, well, that can't be, because, you know, he said he had didn't, whatever, but I kept on looking it up, and there's different archive things that kept on putting that as a tour that happened, but I can't find any information on it or if it was just Rob Zombie and it was um, uh, just they put White Zombie on the on the marquee or I don't know what the fuck it was, but there is some information that there was a, a, a Black Label Society and White Zombie tour in 2002, but... Uh, that's, that's all I can find about it. Consider, I don't think 
white zombies ever reunited. Yeah, so, I didn't think so either. That I know of. So yeah, it doesn't seem likely. Know. Yeah. So, well, there you go. We're pretty much to the uh, to the end of the records. Um, and, you know, to sum up, it's just one of those things where um, neither band, White Zombie nor uh, Rob Zombie, are exactly my cup of tea, but I can find things in there that I like. And the new show with uh, with the new band is an enjoyable show, whether you know all the songs or not. Because it's just, um, there's a lot of shit going on. It's visually striking. Pyrotechnics is off the hook. You know, costumes. So, you know, I mean, if you wanted to just go and take some shrooms and go to the fucking, uh, you know, White Zombie concert, it would be a trip, you know. So, uh, in essence, there is that that value to the project that's the live show, I think. Yeah, I mean, I guess I got bored. I had to look at that up. Yeah, that supposed Black Label Society, White Zombie, July 24th, 2002. Mm. Uh Time Warner Cable Music Pavilion at Walnut Creek, Raleigh, North Carolina, United States. Um, yeah, there's no real info other than supposedly this is a thing that happened, but hmm. uh, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck. That seems like something. You can put anything on the internet, I guess. Yeah, I guess um, that's true. Rob Zombie, for me... Um, I don't know. I, I I still checked him out until, you know, his third album or so, but just out of habit, but he was, you know, he had the one album that was like the album of my senior year. So I just, for me, it's like he was a really important, you know, you know, really important artist in the 90s for me. And eh, I think I've mostly left him in the 90s. There you um, go. I just, he had a time and place and it was 1998, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. and you know, it's, and the thing is, is because of that, it automatically dates anything. Cause like when you watch, uh, bride of Chucky and you hear Rob zombie on it, you know, exactly when that fucking movie came out, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? And yeah. it's not like when you watch a movie an older movie that had songs of the time on it where you kind of go like, Oh, that's like nostalgic and kind of cool. You watch bride of Chucky and you're like, this is like a fucking hot topic commercial, (laughs) you know, like it's not, it doesn't have that nostalgia value to it. Even though for me, that was my, my high school years. Uh, I think a lot of people my age don't have a ton of nostalgia for, the late nineties, like all the metal heads I knew, we were all listening to older shit, you know, like it or new shit from older bands. Like we're still listening to Metallica. We're listening to Slayer. We're listening to Megadeth. You know, we weren't really getting into like the industrial metal and the new metal and shit that was really popping off at the time. So when I hear corn or some shit like that, I'd say, yeah, oh yeah, that's that's the mid to late nineties, but like that's the shit I didn't like back then. Whereas Rob yeah. Zombie I really enjoyed, but 
I think it was just a lot of it was that goodwill for me liking White Zombie. There you um, go. And that's, you know, I'm glad that he's had a successful career. Um, I'll probably check out that fucking Munsters just to see what it ends up being. Just like, just out of curiosity at this point. Because his movies, like every time I give him a shot, other than the, the Devil's Rejects, I haven't really been all that into it. Right. Whereas, I mean, I did really dig Devil's Rejects, though. Right. Um, that I think that is probably his strongest movie. Yeah. You know, and it's because it didn't. It doesn't feel. It's the one that feels the least like Rob Zombie-ish mm-hmm. in some ways. But it's got kind of that. It's got that grindhouse feel to it, without it feeling like his take on a grindhouse movie. Like it kind of fe- it fell in. With that time period when, like, Robert Rodriguez and uh, everybody Tarantino, were doing those. Yeah. yeah, when they were doing that shit. And it felt, it just had that, you know, uh, yeah. And like you said, in Tarantino, where it fit in with that time period of movies, of that kind of almost nostalgic, you know, vibe to it without it being overbearing. And I really dug it. Um, right. Other than that, it's just been kind of bleh. Yeah. And, um, yeah, sorry, Rob. <laughs> That's it. Now, to be fair, he he does have a lot of people that love his shit, that love it, his movies, swear by him. Like, he's got some hardcore fans. It's just, you know, we don't happen to be one of them. Yeah, and we probably should have found one. Yeah, probably. Because <laughs> the problem is, as I found, is um, if anybody ends up listening to this that is a hardcore Rob Zombie fan, I apologize now, but I feel like the ones that are really into his movies, yeah, I don't fucking like them. Yeah, like, <laughs> they're kind of weird and not like I don't know. Like all my friends are fucking weird, but they're kind yeah. of like they always strike me as like the the hot topic mall goss. Right. Like maybe person. they could be, maybe they could be a character in the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, some like hillbilly bitch that like has big titties or something. There you go. <laughs> it's like so, Rob Zombie's my daddy, like that kind of shit. But, yeah. <laughs> so if, for people who are thinking about going to see him, he's coming in August. the The DVD that I saw um, was called the Zombie Horror Picture Show, and it came out in 2014. It's the new band. It's um, I imagine it's a similar show, and I also imagine that he directed this this um, this thing. Although I'm not positive, and it's uh, really good. It's a really good concert film. Uh, it's got you know some of his type of uh, uh, little trademarks in it and shit, but it's a good um, good rendering of the show and it's entertaining and so you might want to check that out the zombie horror picture show zombie um, and, horror picture show and that'll give you some idea whether or not you want to go check them out the biggest endorsement for going to see rob zombie in 2022 is a concert video from 2014 yeah right yeah <laughs> that's a nearly decade old concert film it's like yeah. it can only be better right yeah uh, you'd think but uh <laughs> Okay, so uh, so that pretty much does it for the Rob Zombie episode. Um, we'll be coming back soon. I'm just going to say soon. Um, with our COVID wrap-up 
reboot, whatever you want to call it, show. We're going to be talking about, you know, um, all the stuff that came out during quarantine, stuff that we've seen, stuff that we look forward to seeing, people who have died, you know, um, a lot of stuff has happened. And uh, so it'll basically be the post-COVID metal news next time. And uh, hopefully that'll be soon and hopefully that'll be good. So until the next one, this is me, Big Frog. Me, Mike Castleberry. And we are out. Wow, you fucking whore. What a fucking whore. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing?